Welcome back to Perspective Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Chip Payne. Chip, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Reed. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Um, Chip is a, uh, a friend of mine and a previous coworker of mine. And I think today he's going to be able to touch on together um, a lot of topics that you might have been exposed to at some point in your walk with Christ, or maybe you've never had someone to kind of walk you through or explain some of the topics we're going to go through today. So uh, today's episode is really going to be about understanding the Father's heart and exploring the prophetic maybe in a way that you haven't heard before. So a little bit about Chip. Chip and his wife of 26 years, they currently live in Texas with their four daughters. Chip came to know the Lord through a move of God uh, on his university campus. Since that time, he's been a full-time missionary in Latvia and the Baltic states. He's also served on the boards of organizations that span both local and international scopes. He served for over 13 years on the staff and eldership of Harvest Renewal Church in Richmond, Virginia. In addition, Chip is a revivalist. That's a good thing. We, we need more revivalists. His heart beats with Romans 8:19, and his ministry is based in the conviction that the time of the revealing of the sons of God is here. Chip currently ministers locally, extra locally, and internationally, and is also the director of Lifestyle Christianity University. So Chip, again, thank you for joining us. It's an impressive bio that you have. Tell, tell people real quick kind of, uh, kind of a little bit about yourself, maybe something we don't know from, from that bio about you. Oh. <laughs> so um, I, obviously that's a little bit left over from my time as a missionary in the former Soviet Union. So um, something that you don't know, um, actually I'm not that uh, interesting of a guy. And you know, so um, that was a pretty interesting way to start. Yeah, well, it's a little dramatic, but um I, one thing about me and my wife, we both grew up in Hampton Roads, Virginia. So we grew up by the water. And so being in Texas is a little bit of a shock for us, not only culturally, but the absence of an ocean anywhere nearby. Yeah, <laughs> I apologize for the view. It's definitely not a long time. See, when I went through Europe uh, a few years back and I just, you just start to see just a little bit of what what's out there, I started to realize, you know, when you think long-term or generations, I'm like, why would it? anyone plant their family in texas when you yeah. see like switzerland and ireland and you know so yeah anyway go ahead well, a wise person from texas told me the landscape sure isn't pretty but the people make it worth it <laughs> so oh that's good that's yeah. good so chip what is your story wow um you know that's a great story i grew up um and we talked a little bit about this before, but I actually grew up in a charismatic Presbyterian church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Um, and so what was unique about that was even though I had great Presby Presbyterian catechism and, and indoctrination, actually being trained and, and understanding and knowledge, knowledge does not mean a connection to the heart. And so I knew of the Lord. I actually encountered his presence as a little kid. I would, I would, they would sing around spontaneously um, in spontaneous worship. And I would actually whisper to my mom and dad, mom, dad, he's here. Um, and so I remember that. 
but the penny didn't drop for me until I was 18 years old. Lordship came at that point in time. Um, and as my bio says, I actually got saved. I was actually in the process of encountering the Lord in my life being coming under his Lordship. But it, it finally happened in January of 1989. Yes, I'm that old. Um, and um, very shortly after that, there was a small Christian fellowship on that university campus and only a handful of people were spirit filled. And I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and it sparked a hunger on the campus. And I mean, our campus fellowship went from about 15 to 18 people my freshman year. And by the time I graduated four years later, we had 225 people twice a week. The vast majority of people um, filled with the Holy Spirit you know, the, there was joy, life, excitement, and God was moving powerfully. And it really indelibly, indelibly marked me. Um, pretty much everybody that was involved in that is still in ministry today. Um, wow. Is somehow, some way involved. Um, all the same leaders. So, it, you know, those types of things uh, leave an impact. Um, you know, once you taste and see that the Lord is good, and uh, it makes you hungry for more. <laughs> and, um, and I, I thrive and live for his goodness. Mm, that's good. Yeah, for me, you know, when you said you you taste and see that he's good and you want more, you know, once once I had gone to a conference and really encountered God in a way I wasn't expecting to, um, I, I started to just, once you feel that wind of the Holy Spirit against your back, especially when you're like stepping out or you're, you know, in groups or evangelizing on the street, there's no other feeling quite like it. And it, it gave me a little bit of holy anxiety because when, when I was at this evangelism conference, uh, I'm going, oh my gosh, do I have to listen to that voice all the time? Oh no, am I bad if I don't listen to it? Because I, I really didn't, you know, I just thought I was going to see someone, you know, maybe feel better. And we had all these cool stories come out of it. And what I learned from that was, you know, there is no better feeling than doing what God wants you to do and god really just needs willing vessels more than qualified people you know i think it's um you, you sort of brought something up that is interesting is a lot of times when we talk about sonship from a jewish context and culture sonship equates responsibility and so the heart of the father is he doesn't just want you know he doesn't just want sons that remain immature he wants we are sons he wants sons that are manifested and so that whole passage where Jesus was um, coming up out of the waters in baptism, but also receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit as the dove came upon him. Um, this is my son, my we are son, in whom I'm well pleased. Um, there's a manifestation that God wants to bring into the earth, and that ties back to the passage in Romans 8, 19, a revealing of sons and daughters and true sons and daughters. And what does that look like? Wow. Yeah, man, so many, so many good, so many good questions I could ask right now. Let me, let me start off with um, what do you think God is doing in our culture right now? We've just came off of, as everyone is aware of, a pretty crazy past 12 months with COVID and the political season. And um, I, I think we're seeing um, definitely a separation in the church. There's a lot of people that can't wait for a church to return how it used to be. And then I think there's people that never want it to go back to how it was before. 
So in, in my opinion, I think we've seen a, a revealing of the church. I think we've seen a separation. But what do you think God is doing in our culture right now? Well, I always reference back to examples in scripture. So anytime there's been a major move of God, let's look at what the enemy did preceding it. So for example, um, Mary gave birth, Herod heard of the birth of the Messiah, of the, of the king of the Jews, and he got jealous and he didn't want the king of the Jews to come because he was king. And so, but through, through him, the enemy came in. And of course we know the story um, all the two-year-old males are in the surrounding area, around, around the surrounding area of Bethlehem, if I remember correctly, um, were terminated um, by Roman soldiers. And uh, great weeping and wailing came. And it was the enemy trying to stop the move of God. And so when I look at our culture and I see what's going on, I see the division, the separation. I see like the mask, cover your mouth, shut up. You don't have a voice. Um, and that that coincides with cancel culture um, and the the manipulation and the control that's trying to silence the voice silence true diversity of thought and and thinking um, and to me it's that that's a sign to us of what god's getting ready to do there's going to be freedom his voice is going to ring out um, there's going to be empowerment um, people will be powerful. They won't be victims. Victim a victim mentality pervades our culture. Um, I actually have to, like, I, I, I literally, when I'm in the car in front of a the mirror, there are moments I actually have to say, Chip, you are not a victim. You're a victor in Christ. You're an overcomer. You need to act like it. Stop thinking like a victim. Um, we all get victimized. But if we choose to remain in our victimization, that's on us, not anybody else. So, Wow, that's right. So I think spiritually, especially, I mean, if we just touch on churches, I mean, some churches aren't even open still. Today, I, I heard another uh, news report um, as we were doing a live news program today that the church in Alberta, Canada, I don't know if you heard about this, the... The, I think it was a, a synagogue um, or, or, or a church, I can't remember, but the, uh, the, the pastor basically shouted these police officers to get out of their church because they were trying to come in and say it's an unlawful assembly. And this was on Easter in Canada. Yeah. And this guy was from Poland, came yeah, to Canada. He knows, I mean, he's going, get out of here, Gestapo, you know, yeah. <laughs> they didn't have a warrant and it, I mean, I'm shocked that people can't see past COVID and realize spiritually what the enemy is trying to do here. And you're right. It is a control thing. And, you know, masks on our mouths. It's just, I think it, it's so clear that there's more going on than we realize right now. So um, back to the churches. So we've got some churches that still haven't opened from last year. And then we've got churches that are open and people are worshiping, they're shouting, you know, how it, how it should be. Um, and not that we necessarily have to get into COVID, um, but these confusing times spiritually, what kind of advice would you give to people that maybe don't have a church that has even reopened yet, or they're trying to navigate all of the challenges right now we're all experiencing in this area going, 
man, I don't know what to do. Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I leave my church? I mean, how, how do we hear the Father's heart in confusing times? It ha- this isn't the first confusing time we've really had on the planet. There's been a lot more, uh, but especially for a lot of younger people that might not be in a place um, of, of uh, a good church authority or, I mean, man, I could go so many places with this, but I'm going to try to keep it simple. What kind of advice uh, would you give people on hearing the Father's heart in confusing times? Well, um, obviously God is not the author of confusion. He, Jesus is the Prince of Shalom. And in the ancient Hebrew, the pictorial language of ancient Hebrew, mm-hmm. it's basically the one who's come to destroy the works of chaos. And so fear is not of the Lord. And we don't want to be in fear, um, but we also want to walk in wisdom. I have a hospital administration master's degree. I know about infection control. Um, I, you know, I, I want to be wise, but the sons of God are led by the spirit of God. Okay. Um, and there's a, a that we ask maturity needs to come into that. That's just not just really nearly everyone going, why well, yeah, the Lord told me. And then five minutes later, well, the Lord changed his mind, you know, <laughs> It's a, it's a, it's a walking out and knowing the father's voice and with a, not only a confidence, but also this, the assurance that he's confirmed his word, um, multiple ways. Um, you know, he tends to do that. He will confirm his word through the mouths of two or three. Um, so what I've been trying to counsel people is that when we have to have a broader perspective of in the midst of COVID, yes, things have been shut down, but yet zoom. Uh, internet, um, you know, all types of streaming services have exploded that have empowered the church in a way that the church wasn't leveraging before. And it will indelibly impact how we even engage in church and community um, in the future. There's good and bad to both, or there's good and bad to, to, to that technology. Um, we just need to be eyes wide open and acknowledge it and address what we need to address and embrace what we need to embrace. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I think the other part of it is, is that, uh, especially with your generation, there is a, there's a thirst for genuine, real relationship. And I think that what we're going to see and what a lot of people have had to do is they've had to go to smaller settings. Um, you know, I, I, I've been a pastor and at times in my, my pastoral history, I was not a fan of home church. I've changed my mind. Look at the churches of Ephesus, Corinth, Philippi, Thessalonica. I mean, they all were churches on one city. They were named by a city, not by a denomination. And they were named by whose house they met in. And so I think we have to realize there's a level of intimacy and fellowship that the Lord wants to restore because that's one of the things the enemy has tried to come against. Separate you, social distance, stay away from each other. He doesn't want us to build, he doesn't want us to build intimacy. Mm. But that's where that's where God's gonna move. Mm. Man, that's good. Yeah, I think you know, right before COVID started. You know, I felt like I kind of sensed there was something big changing. I don't know if other people sense that, but I really could sense that. And, you know, a, a lot of people that have been studying revivals or uh, have, have been watching what's going on with moves of God right now, uh, I think we're all kind of 
we're all kind of expecting and waiting on the the big move of God to hit us. And we're right. Yeah, we are. We are right. And I mean, the, the Justin Bieber's and Kanye West's out there, you know, it's, it's interesting to see how just that short amount of time that they both had in the spotlight, how many people they were able to reach. Not that they're both the perfect examples of Christianity, but I, I feel like i almost feel like the enemy might have sensed that we were on the cusp of something. And then this attack comes at the beginning of a new decade. There's a lot of prophetic uh, insight Hank Kuhneman actually talked about on this mm-hmm. and how at the end, he's just going to have to pay back sevenfold anyway. And God's still going to get his way either way. And it's, it's interesting to see the church adapting the good churches out there that are adapting during these times, learning, figuring out ways to do remote, remote material and, and keep the connections up. I mean, anyone that's listening out there and you have a church that hasn't opened yet, I mean, just really uh, press into the Holy Spirit and see where the Holy Spirit's leading you because the churches are are being separated. I think it's really easy now to see where a lot of where a lot of churches uh, stand. We we recently had someone on on our news program, and um, she was kicked out of her church. Pregnant mother kicked out of her church for putting her mask down just a little bit to take a drink of water and she's pregnant so she probably needed to breathe a little bit more pastor came up didn't even say hey would you please put your mask none of that just said uh you will be arrested if you don't put it back up and she said you know before she could even she said before she could even finish explaining or having that conversation two this was in uh in texas two people came up two uh, police officers came up and escorted her out so from from a business mindset you know you have the right to remove people you know out of out of your thing but morally it was so wrong because in the state of texas there is no there is no there shall be no penalty for not wearing a mask which is interesting uh, that's what te- Texas Governor Abbott had said. Yet this pregnant mother was still kicked out of the church with no explanation, not even a moment to even defend herself to this to this pastor. And when when people reached out to, to the leadership to try to get more answers on this, uh, they just said we're wait- we're waiting on advice from our our higher up leadership. I'm like, man, what is what is going on? Where is the this lady said she said she looked around she said she didn't want to be a nuisance so she got up and walked out she didn't she was asked to leave so you know she she just decided i should i should go if if they don't want me here and she said not one church member around her looked over or spoke up or said anything this is this is a real concern because what is happening going back again what's what's happening in our culture is is a spirit of fear and and good people believers um, and unbelievers alike are being caught up in what's floating in the air and what's floating in the air is fear and when people are in fear they're not in love because perfect love casts out fear and they will make irrational decisions um, as a result of a spirit of fear and that and, and quite honestly, I'm going to tip my hat a little bit on my political leaning, but um, I'm very concerned about 
the progressive left and their cancel culture, and they are using fear as a political tactic to divide and to position people in a place um, for political gain, um, where they're operating out of fear and, and operating out of fear, they're pitting us against one another as, as a nation. Not, and not, I'm not even speaking about the body of Christ, I'm just speaking about us as, as a one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Um, and let alone, um, let's, let's bring it into the context of being the body of Christ where the hand can't say to the foot, I have no need of you. Um, you know, we have got to, we have to recognize what's going on and be in wisdom, the innocent is a dove, wise as a serpent, but in wisdom, we need to move accordingly. So, you know, I, I personally, I don't wear a mask. Um, if an establishment um, asks for a mask, then I carry one with me. But because the state of the of the state says there's no penalty, if someone asks me to wear a mask, um, I will. If I'm walking in and I choose not to wear a mask, but other people around me will have a mask, and there and I need to get through the aisle where all these people with masks are, I'm going to honor the people with masks by putting the mask over my face and holding it there until I get through just as out of being love like I like I'm not I don't want to be a jerk yeah. but I want to exercise my rights but I also want to be a person that is exuding the nature of our father because our father's kind he's compassionate he's tender-hearted he's you know what I'm saying yeah. so we can be powerful but in our freedom and being powerful we can choose to to yield and submit ourselves to where other people are at without compromising our conviction. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's just, I just think that's just a better way. Yeah, I think I think a lot of young people don't wanna get political or they don't like confrontation. And it's not that you have to go into a store and cause a big controversy, but it's it's knowing that we're, we're at a crossroads in history where rights are being infringed upon no matter what your perspective is on on uh, on covid or on um even some of the political stuff but we have to know how to press into what the holy spirit's saying but knowing how to stand for what's right in the spirit of love because like you said there's a respectful way to do it i could go in there and go you know the, the constitution says this the bill of rights says this and at the end of the day, for me, I want to operate in love and I don't want to, I don't want to miss an opportunity to reach someone in public that might need to be encouraged. I think the enemy is distracting everyone with, look at that. Did you get the vaccine? Did you not get it? Are you, are you wearing the mask? Are you not wearing it? I'm like, oh. it's like, it's, we, we can't forget to come together, especially as a nation. It's, it's not about the agenda of the donkey or the elephant. It's about the agenda of the lamb at the end of the day. And yeah. the, the young people that are out there that are going, oh my gosh, I just hate talking about anything political. Um, hey, I don't blame you, but you have to stand for what's right. And you can do that in a nice and respectful way. Um, and that's, that, that's good. Let me kind of change, change gears real quick. Um, I know the prophetic is uh, an area that I've seen you operate a little bit in personally myself, and you've got more of a background with that. So I, I want to kind of 
create an opportunity for, for you to speak on some areas of the prophetic a little bit. Um, I think the way I would phrase my, my first question about this is um, I, I know some people personally that they, they believe in the prophetic, they've had an experience with it in the past, mm-hmm. um, or maybe saw it misused, uh, maybe as doom and gloom, doom and gloom prophecy, or, hey, uh, I, I got a word about something, but I either never saw it come to pass, or it just wasn't, it didn't sit right with my spirit. Um, one person I can think of, um, you know, was around some people that got off into really, really weird fringe, fringe topics with the prophetic. Not that it's not that there aren't some valid things that might be worth exploring there. Uh, but in this example, kind of had their experience with the prophetic um, kind of twisted. And um, from, from my perspective, what I typically see is people that might experience in ministry, either evangelizing and getting prophetic pictures for people, or maybe receiving a prophetic word about something in their life or their calling. And then sometimes we see on the other end of the spectrum, we see um, prophecies about the political arena, about the nations, about even like the return of Christ and things like that. But I think, I think there's a lot missing in the middle. So if I, if I kind of frame this around, how, how would you, um, how would you make the prophetic easy to understand to someone that is kind of starting over in this area? Sure. So that's uh, a loaded have, question. My, yeah. My internet connection got unstable. So you blipped out for a good 30 seconds in the middle of that. So I'm going to try to piece it together, but, okay. um, so I have some questions to ask. And, and, and I think you had posed some of this to me in our dialogue before we got on for the podcast. But um, my question to you is um, when the Lord told Jonah to go to Nineveh and prophesy destruction and the people repented, was he a false prophet when the destruction didn't come right away? Right? Yeah. Um, my question, my, I have a question for those that have heard. I'm very skeptical about new new testament prophecy and people prophesying judgment over cities and the the disciples came to the, came to jesus over a city that rejected jesus and said rabbi do you want us to call down fire upon them and he rebuked them and said you know not what spirit you speak from so i think we have to be really careful jesus for me is the blueprint and the template he said if you've seen me you've seen the father He said of himself in the book of John in three different places, um, I only do what I see the Father do. I only speak what I hear the Father speak and how he says it. And then paraphrased, he basically says, I only teach what he's taught me. And and that implies intimacy. And so let me just ask the question, if Jesus, fully God, but he came to the earth fully man, And if he was fully man on the earth and he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at John's baptism, because the dove came down, he went into the wilderness and came out in Luke 4 in power and began his power, the the empowered ministry of the Holy Spirit, healing, miracle signs, wonders. Um, If Jesus is a man on the earth, 
how did he hear and see what the father was speaking and doing? That's a great question. Yeah. And, and it, it connotates a supernatural lifestyle. It, I mean, we are, we are new creations and we lived our old creation as dead men walking. We live from a carnal five cents, you know, our, our touch, taste, smell, sight, and, and hearing and feeling touch, I guess that's touch. Um, and we, we internalize that into our soul and our spirit man was dead. But when we got born again, the kingdom's upside down and backwards. If you want to find your life, lose it, right? And so our, our existence- forget that sometimes. That's exactly right. Our existence flipped on its head. And the reality is, is that our life is sons in the spirit. We are, we are born of the spirit. We are in our father's image and, the, and, and our father is spirit. And so we are spirit beings first and our life and relationship with him by the spirit in the, in the spirit is more real than this reality that you and I are in right now. And the process of learning and discovering that is part of the journey of our, you know, our sanctification and our growing in, in the knowledge of him. You know, this is, this is eternal life. I mean, everyone wants to get to heaven. I'm like, well, this is eternal life. It's to know him. Right. And so, um, I, I, I sort of got off on a little bit of a tangent there, but I think it's important because we have to understand that we really are supernatural beings. And, and that, that literally, that, that we, we have a union. John, uh, Jesus teaches about this in John 17 in his prayer for those that would believe after the disciples uh, gave the message. And he declares, Father, I pray that they may be one as we are one, I and you and you and me. And that oneness in the Greek is gnosko, which translate, translated back into the Hebrew is the same word that, that um, in the Hebrew that's used for marital intimacy. And, it's the, and, that, and so the issue of marital intimacy is, is that it's a prophetic act of declaration that God sanctions in the covenant of marriage because it declares the union of man and, of man and God. And so we have to come into that reality of intimacy with the Father in order to be able to emulate what Jesus demonstrated for his disciples. And that's what he did. He lived the life he lived, filled with the Holy Spirit, in order for uh, for his disciples to understand how to live and walk by the Spirit. I don't know if I answered the whole question. Yeah, yeah. Let's start. <laughs> I, I would take it even a step further, and I would say, um, if, if someone has... Um, experienced it and wants to grow more in the prophetic or maybe they're starting over in this area sure. um, maybe we would say it's starting over but maybe god would say that's part of the journey <laughs> but uh, for sake of the conversation let's say someone is starting over in this area or wants to grow in this area because this can kind of branch sure. out the signs and wonders prophetic dreams prophetic pictures and you know ev evangelism and let me, give where would practical, let me give some practical direction in that because a lot of times the abuses in the prophetic are no different than the abuses in any of the offices of, of the fivefold ministry. And so what we have is we have a situation where we need to be powerful. So I love Danny Silk's culture of honor because it talks about, I mean, personal responsibility. I mean, that is that in the essence, 
the um, the priesthood of the believer is about your personal responsibility to minister to God as a priest in the same order that Jesus is in. And, um, and, and so therefore, you're ultimately responsible for hearing God yourself, not just hearing God through another man and going half cocked willy-nilly, oh, I got a word and I need to help God make it happen. Um, sometimes it's that, sometimes you just get a bad word and it wounds your heart. But again, as a priesthood of the believer and being a minister of reconciliation, Jesus commanded us and told us we have the power to forgive. Well, how many times are we supposed to give? Seven times, you know, 70 times seven. And so it comes back again and again that you are a powerful being. God created you a powerful being. And whenever you get a word, you have the spirit of God in you. The sons of God, or I'm sorry, the um, my sheep shall know my voice, is what I'm trying to say. And it's, it's in our inheritance. When we become children of God, my, my sheep shall know my voice. And, um, and so therefore, whenever we get a word, we have to take responsibility to go back to the Lord, go back to the Father, through the Son, with Holy Spirit, and go, what do you say? And again, like I said at the beginning, he has a tendency to confirm his word more than once, not because we're necessarily thick in the head, but because he knows that our heart is really to know and obey and understand, and he wants to help us with his kind. Um, so I think if we've had issues where people have been hurt or they've seen abuses in the prophetic, you know, the scripture is clear, do not despise prophecy. But let's get back to some of the basics so that we can put it in the green pastures that God intended. Um, and that is New Testament prophecy really should be to build up, edify, and encourage the believer. Encourage means to fill with courage so that even though they're afraid, they do it anyway. That's my definition of it. But yeah, no, that's good. Um, that's good. And so I think that if in general, the you know, those that are just operating in the gift of prophecy, not in the office, but in the gift of prophecy, um, our, our focus should be, how do I encourage? How do I build up? And how do I edify? Um, a lot of people get hurt in the prophetic because someone has a gift of discernment. Um, and in their discernment, instead of holding that and asking the Lord what to do with it, how do I partner with you in what you're showing me through discernment? They go, they think, oh, I immediately need to confront and say something. And, and invariably, unfortunately, a lot of times they end up partnering with the spirit of accusation and not the spirit of God. Mm. That's a big one. And I think that's one a lot of people can relate with is when God would, when God reveals something like that to you, it's for a reason. It's not just so that you know their business. It's so that you know how to pray for them. Um, yeah. There's there's a purpose behind it. And um can I, I would tell you the testimony about yeah, that. Please. So I was at a conference um, and I met two young men and uh, I had a word for them, build up edify and encourage. But as I'm giving the word, I knew that I had another word for the other young man. And, I, and I'm a seer prophetically. I see in the spirit, I hear, I feel and experience. And, and in the realm of the spirit, the Lord opened up things for me. And I saw that he had been abused by a male in his family, that he is, was struggling with same-sex attraction and that the Lord wanted to intervene. And I was, I was petrified because I mean, when you, when you bring, if you bring something like that forward, 
and you are incorrect, that could really mess with up, mess somebody up. Yeah, it's um, scary. It's scary. It's, it's scary to do that, especially for people that you know are new to that. It's a responsibility. And I was like, and so I went back to the father. I was like, if you, I'm not going to give this word. If you want me to give this word, then I'm going to stand over there and I'm going to wait and you have him come back to me. Well, he's, God is good. He's kind. He knew my insecurity and he knew that I really didn't want to hurt somebody. And so he had the young man come back to me and I just said, you know, I have a word for you, but I, I want you to, and I just was very gracious. I think the power of grace, right? I mean, it, it, grace is favor, unmerited favor, um, as well as empowerment. And and I was like, and you know, again, going back to Galatians 5:22 and the fruit of the spirit. And so I'm going to be powerful, and I'm going to tell him, look, I have a word. I could be wrong, and if I am wrong, it has no measure or mark upon you. It's my responsibility. And so I just leaned in and I just started to quietly tell him what the Lord gave me. And the next thing I know, I mean, tears are just coming down his face. And I immediately, I just said to him, you're safe. You're safe. You're safe. I'm not here to harm you. I'm not here to accuse you. And I'm not here to judge you. And I ended up ministering to him. And, um, and it was a life-changing moment. He, he ended up coming to the ministry school um, that I'm at as a director and his life has been absolutely transformed. And I've got the, I've had the joy of, because I was, because of just being yielded to the father and his heart and stewarding that moment by well, because of him, um, you know, to see what God has done has been amazing. And those are, those are what people are craving for that type of moment that re- Yeah. I mean, man, that's, that's what I want. I think that's what we all want. I mean, yeah. The word in due season, you know, is sweeter than honey, right? So yeah. it's that's why the prophetic is so important in for, for people out there that could care less about it or hey, I'm called to the I'm called to be on the streets. I don't need I don't have to know that. This so the supernatural power of God, this is what makes things unique. These are the things that go a step past teaching, a step past, you know, the mind and go straight to the heart. And you know, it's like you were saying earlier, the prophetic still gets um, still gets attacked just as much as any other office in the body of Christ. And uh, I, I liked that you said that because it kind of more, yeah, <laughs> maybe a little bit more, yeah. But I think he- hearing that reminds me that like, oh, I mean, really, every part's getting attacked. So I think I think we hear the political side attacked. Like, why isn't Trump president? Everyone said Trump was going to be president. Well, Nineveh wasn't destroyed, was it? I mean, when when Israel stopped listening to the prophets, God stopped sending them prophets. So I think we all have to be really careful and kind of come back to that relationship part of going, God, no matter what I see, no matter what I hear, I'm coming back to my relationship with you. And some of the themes I'm kind of hearing through this, which leads us to the next question, is, um, you know, as we go through different seasons of life, I think we're, I think we're used to just having a really earthly perspective that's logical, and we think, I'm here, so I must go here next. And um, you know, 
my life's just I'm just gonna lay out a plan I'm gonna meet my meet my spouse and I'm gonna go exactly to where I want to go to in life and then we find ourselves in valleys where we find ourselves relearning some of the teachings that maybe we thought we really knew well um, so I want I want you to touch on the wilderness because I think I think we tend to think of the wilderness as you're in timeout you messed up you're not acting in your gift you must have done you must have done something wrong that maybe you've been removed out of your position maybe your church has suddenly decided to disown you maybe your family has turned their back on you or maybe god is not speaking to you the way that you thought he would that's a big one especially for me um how how would you um how would you explain what the real wilderness really is could it be something more than we're thinking oh yeah come on i think that um speaking from lots of experience on this one <laughs> um, by the way no one wants to go there everyone hates it but... yeah i mean you know let's let's go back to scripture i mean david was in the wilderness Israel was in the wilderness. They could have gone the short route, but they went the long route. Um, and there's a on a shirt. <laughs> put that on a shirt. Yeah, I think we've all been there. And um, and but yet there's a theme of of desert and wilderness throughout Scripture. And of course, Jesus, everything is in the Old Testament is a foreshadowing of what's to come, and through in the Messiah, and um, and of course that being Jesus. And what's interesting is is that. Um, I mean, if you go back and you look at Jesus's life, after he received the Holy Spirit at John's baptism, it, the scriptures here, and this used to confuse me completely. Um, it, like, why? Why would the Holy Spirit invite Jesus into the wilderness? And it's obviously the very next part of this is for prayer and fasting. And, and I was studying, the Lord actually had invited me into a study on the wilderness. And I was like, I don't want to go study the wilderness because that means you're going to take me into the wilderness. And I don't want to. <laughs> so, but he was very kind and he just said, will you trust me? And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I really have a choice. Oh boy, where's this <laughs> ticket taking me? <laughs> you know, I, it's like red pill, blue pill. I guess I'm taking the red pill. Okay. You know, um, yeah. and for those of you that don't know that movie reference, go look at the matrix. But anyway, um what ended up happening was i realized you know the lord I, I looked at the invitation okay number one if the holy spirit took him into the wilderness it was he was invited he wasn't punished he wasn't being um you know spanked for something that he did wrong this was not out of punishment or correction it was actually an invitation and Jesus had a free will choice to say yes to the invitation or not. And, I, and as soon as I saw that he had a choice because it was an invitation, when you receive an invitation, you have the opportunity to either RSVP and say you're coming or send your regrets. And Jesus said, I'm coming. And he voluntarily partnered with the, the Lord, with the Father through the Holy Spirit to say yes. And that, that one thing began to change my understanding of the wilderness because it, I realized it wasn't punishment, it was a partnership and it was an invitation. The next thing was about prayer and fasting. And the Lord took me back to Isaiah, the, ch the chapter on prayer and fasting, and I'm reading it about loosing the bond, the straps of 
the oppressor and the widow and the poor, um, the, you know, the orphan. These are the things of the heart of God. You call this a fast? Well, this is what a real fast is. And I was reading the passage and I realized, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm looking at ticking off the things that need to be done. And the Lord is saying to me, look at the heart behind the things I'm saying. And I realized that the prayer and fasting is about coming back and understanding and knowing the heart of the Father. Hmm. And that Jesus went into the wilderness by invitation in order to pursue the heart of the knowledge of the heart of the Father. Hmm. And um, and it was while he was there that he got tested by the enemy and the enemy came with temptation. So number one, don't ever let what you're being tempted by define who you are. Your temptation doesn't define you. Jesus didn't allow his temptation to define him. Don't ever let your temptation to define you. Um, number two is that the very, the temptation wasn't turn the stone into bread or throw yourself off this pinnacle. Um, I'll show you all the kingdoms of the world. If you bow down and worship me, I'll give them to you. It was the question that preceded most of the temptations. If you are the son of God, so the enemy only can accuse God's identity and yours. Hmm. Is God yeah, is good? The first thing, first thing that, first thing that, um, I believe that's one of the first things the enemy attacked Adam and Eve with in the garden. Absolutely. Was doubt, doubt and identity. Did Absolutely. he really say that? And are you really, or he said, um, eat this and, and you'll be like God. They, they were already like God. Yeah. It's like doubt, doubt and identity. If 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 the enemy can get you at your identity, then you're done for. Doesn't even have to go and after everything else. If, and if he can get you to doubt the goodness of God, because the inference to Eve was God, if God's so good, then why would he not have allowed you? He knew that you would become like him and he's not that good. He doesn't want you to be like him. Oh man. Wow. And it's such a it's such a sneaky thing, but I mean, it, the enemy only has two tactics: he can accuse God and accuse the goodness of God, or he can accuse you and your identity. And that's why I I I, I really and I and I mean I'm like everybody else. I struggle with a victim mentality, but I am more and more and more aware and aggressively, I sure should, should say, assertively confronting myself and going. No, I am not a victim. I am powerful and I choose to keep my power. And so yeah, and when you speak that out, when you declare those things, something happens in the spirit. Something happens when you open your mouth. I, th I think yeah. I think the enemy likes to attack our lips sometimes and make us feel like we can't open our mouth or you shouldn't speak up. No one wants to hear what you, you know. No one wants to hear what you have to say. You're not really called for that. If, if that's your anointing, then why are you dealing with this, 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 and that? And I would just encourage people, encourage people there is power in not only speaking the word, but declaring, declaring things in faith as well. The power of declaration is it's agreement. It's also faith comes by hearing. You're actually using the word of God. Typically declaration should include the word of God. <laughs> and you're, when you're speaking the word of God, faith comes by hearing, but you're also activating different parts of your body, your, your, your mind, your mouth, your muscles, all of it works together. You're a three part being spirit, soul, and body. And when you work them together in accordance with his word by the spirit, it releases power and things happen. 
you know, it's not by chance that Eastern mysticism and other cults, um, you know, things like the secret, you know, they've stumbled onto biblical truth and they've, they've leveraged it and we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater and set it out of religion and gone, that's demonic. And the truth is, is no, they actually stumbled on a biblical truth. They just did, they're not applying it through Christ and they're, and they're out of context. Yeah. So anyway, but the whole thing about going back to wilderness is that wilderness, Jesus's time in the wilderness was a time of formation that was tested with the accusation that caused him to overcome because he didn't, if he, if he even questioned his identity, he would have responded. What do you mean if I'm in son, son of the Bob? Let me show you. He didn't do that. He didn't have to prove anything. He knew who he was. Wow. And out of that place, he was able to come out and look for in power. And so whenever the Lord invites you into the wilderness, it's a season of intimacy. It's a season of formation. It's going to be a season of overcoming because the enemy will, will try to come and test what God is doing. Um, but you will come out in power. Wow, that's good. You heard it here first, everybody, from Chip Payne. The wilderness is an invitation for preparation and you'll, you're going to come out with power. Amen. Good. I heard my, my father said once, he said, uh, flowers don't, flowers don't bud on the mountaintop. They bud in the valley. They bloom in the valley. And I think sometimes the seasons that we all hate to go through, um, are the ones that end up giving us power to take on the next thing. Cause you know, yeah, yeah it's amazing how well, much blooms in the valley and the wilderness so that's a, that's an interesting topic i bet that's something i could go even more in depth to next time um uh, did you have something you look like you're about to uh, yeah it's, it's it's a little bit crass but i mean there's a truth and i'm gonna i'm gonna say it appropriately but but it happens um <laughs> you know in yeah. every in the life of every tree that i've ever planted there's had to be manure <laughs> that's good I think but, some people but, might have too much fertilization in their life right now. Maybe too much manure. God makes I, something bloom out of all this. But God takes a pile of poo and he turns it into something good that causes something to grow and to flourish. And just like Aaron's rod, bud, blossom, and fruit all at the same time. So it's not fun. I get it. I understand. I don't like manure seasons either. But... The truth is, is that God is a God of seasons. I mean, we have to remember in Hebrew culture is an agrarian culture. We're very Greek, very linear. And we read the Bible, we go, oh, it would have happened in sequential order. And it must have happened, bam, 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 bam. And I have to remind people like, look, Ahab died here. Jehu was anointed here. And Jezebel died four years later. <laughs> you know, it didn't happen all that fast. Yes. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> God is, God is more intentional. Well, man great wisdom uh i guess for the the last question chip i would just say is if there's anything on your heart right now uh that you would like to share or anything that god's been telling you uh, i just want to give you kind of this these last couple minutes to to share anything if there's anything on your heart yeah i think um i would say this that what I have seen in the spirit and what's coming is that you're going to see a church that's not going to operate in the anointing, but is going to host the habitation of his glory. And that's going to take 
sons, mm. daughters of God. Um, ladies, your sons, just as much as men, we're brides, or the bride, a part of the bride. Um, but I think that what I've seen in the spirit is that there's going to be a manifestation of the glory. And you have to remember the glory of God is not a thing. It's a manifestation of the person. You can't separate God's glory from who he is as a person. It's it, you, if, if you just go after the glory and you're trying to pursue glory because you just want to pursue the glory, you'll never reach it. You'll never, you'll never get it because you're not pursuing the person. Wow. That's now that's, that's a big thing right there. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of people that are chasing, chasing after the move of God and forgetting that you can find them right in your closet. Absolutely. And, and here's the crazy thing is that the glory already abides in you. Yeah. I mean, we're chasing the glory and we forget like Christ in you, the hope of glory. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, the issue is, is we still think we're separated. We still think that we have to get to heaven or that we're calling, you know, let it rain, let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. I'm sorry. The floodgates are already open. It's bad theology in a song. <laughs> and, and I mean, I love the song. I appreciate the heart behind it of, of our heart towards God in it. But it, if I really look at it, it's bad theology in a song. And, um, and the reality is, is that Jesus is the gate we've entered through. But because we have entered through him and he's now in us, we now have become gates ourselves that, that he, Christ in us is who needs to get out you know and um and so i just want to encourage you that look what god is going to do every in every um age of the church there has to be some level of institution there's got to be some level of structure the issue is when institution administration and structure try to put a box around god instead of hosting and carrying the presence and we're and administration is supposed to carry the presence and follow the presence like a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke. And so what, what's going to happen is I believe that, um, yes, there will always have to be some type of structure administration to cause things to work. But I think what's going to mark the move of God in the next generation, um, in the next epoch of the church is going to be the manifestation of the glory of God. And that's why Romans 8, 19 is such a passionate verse for me. It's the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. And it's the glory of God being manifested through we are sons and daughters that are walking in maturity. And again, to end with this, the mark of maturity is when Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And if you're a believer and you have Christ in you, then it's not religious or irreligious or wrong or doctrinally in error for you to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the father, but by all means, allow him to do the transformation so that the reflection is there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That's good, man. So how, how can people stay in contact with you or kind of see more about what you're involved in right now? If there's any uh, websites or social media handles you'd like to share. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to give an unabashed shout out for um, the ministry that I currently work with. Um, We're a a discipleship training school. And so we are um, wanting to move people into identity. Um, I just recently moved into the director position over the entire school. I'm very excited about where God's taking us. 
um, but Lifestyle Christianity University. Um, you can find us on the web. On, uh, on the web. Just Google Lifestyle Christianity University. Um, take a look at the website. You can apply. That would be one way. Um, we have, there's conferences and events that um, are put on by that ministry that would be helpful, I think, for a lot of people in the body of Christ. Um, I have a personal Facebook webpage um, that you can go to. It's just Chip Payne on Facebook. Um, you can friend me. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not a, I'm just, I'm just a guy. I'm just a son. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm not looking for a stage or a platform, but I am looking to walk faithfully and humbly with, with my father, with the Lord. And so, um, I do get to minister. Um, I sit on the, I sit on a couple boards of other ministries. Um, and so I'm, I'm usually partnering with people and, and connecting and, and trying to do things in that way. Um, I also do prophetic posts. So if you're on my on my personal Facebook page or my Instagram as well, I think my Instagram is cepainjr4 um, or at cepainjr4. And I do make posts, prophetic posts about things that are happening and what I believe the Lord's saying. That's good. That's good. I've seen some of them. I'll have to keep. I'll have to keep reading. Chip Payne, thank you so much for joining us today. I think I think people are going to be really encouraged. I think. What I like is we didn't just cover, well, we covered a lot. Uh, what I like is we didn't just cover important areas, but um, I think it was all kind of strung along together. And I think um, having you on to kind of talk about these topics really uh, gives people um, a perspective into the father's heart that they might not have heard before. So um, I, I appreciate it. And I think people are going to be really encouraged uh, from having, having uh, you on today. So thank you so well, thank much you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Awesome.